Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for moms who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, online fitness coach, wife, and mom of four. Every week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 20. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. This is going to be a good episode. It's going to be a solo episode, and I am answering your questions all about macros and macro counting and anything that you guys submitted that you wanted to know about macros. Okay, so for today's episode, I asked the people who are on my email list what questions they had about macros. Now, if you're not on my email list, it's really easy to get on. You can head to my Instagram and download any of my free guides. You can go to my website and there'll be a pop-up there that will have you sign up for my my email list. But that's the best place to like stay up on top of things that I'm doing. So, and I do things like ask you guys questions of what you want to hear on the podcast. So, I asked my email list what questions they had about macro counting. And I got a whole list of them. So what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to pull some of those questions and I'm going to just answer them on the podcast. So we're going to kind of bounce around. It's not going to be in any like coherent, you know, organized format. I'm just going to pull the questions that you guys asked and answer them. And if you like this format, let me know because I would love to do like every 20 episodes or so and ask Amber and we can kind of rotate the subjects. But if you enjoy these this Ask Amber episode, let me know. DM me on Instagram, um, shoot me a, you know, an email. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Question number one, why so much protein? Over a hundred grams of protein a day seems like so much, but often macro-friendly is high in protein and low in calories and fat. I get it for satiety, but overall I can't wrap my head around why the daily goals are so high. Is there science behind it? This is an awesome question and one that, you know, beginner macro counters often struggle with getting enough protein into their diet. And so I think it is really helpful to understand the why behind it, because when you understand the why, then you can kind of, you know, make the steps to add more protein to your diet because you understand why you're doing that. So there's a couple things that I really want you to consider. So first, um, she mentioned satiety. That's one of the big reasons that we increase protein is because it is something that makes you feel really full. And when you're in a caloric deficit, anything that we can do to help you feel more full is going to help you be more successful in the long run. So I don't think that that can be discounted at all. Protein is going to help you to feel more full, more full and that is really important in a caloric deficit. The second reason that it's really important is because it helps us to preserve muscle mass. When you're in a caloric deficit, your body needs calories. It's looking for fuel and we want it to use your fat storages. Like that's what we're going for, right? We want to we want to maximize our fat loss. But our body can also use muscle 
and it can break down muscle to use it for energy. And we want to prevent that to the, the most extent possible. So by increasing the amount of protein that you get in your diet, you allow your body to have access to those amino acids in your bloodstream rather than having to go to your muscle tissue to grab it. So by eating higher protein, you are minimizing your muscle loss and maximizing your fat loss while you're in a deficit. Another thing that's really important with protein is that it helps to stimulate muscle growth. And so if you're wanting to increase the amount of muscle that you have on your body, you need to have an adequate amount of protein. And specifically, the amino acid lysine has been shown to increase muscle mass. And then the last reason that I'll mention for eating more protein is that protein has a very high TEF, which is the thermic effect of food, which means your body has to expend more calories to digest and break down and absorb protein uh, as opposed to fat and carbohydrates. And so it means that when you're eating 100 calories of protein, your body has to expend more energy to digest those 100 grams of 100 calories of protein rather than 100 calories of, say, carbohydrates. And so we can eat similar amount of calories, and there's a slight difference in how much our body actually extracts or the net gain overall from the calories from the food. And so for those reasons, that's why it's really encouraged to eat higher protein and typically higher protein than most people are used to eating. Sometimes people will get scared and say, oh, well, eating high protein is going to hurt your kidneys. There's been lots and lots of research studies that if you have normal kidneys, um, your kidneys are very much able to have it. Your, their liver is going to be fine. Um, There's been a lot of research that's shown even two to three times the recommended daily intake of protein. There's been shown to have no health problems in someone who has normal functioning kidneys. Now, if you have kidney disease, that's going to be a problem and your doctor's probably going to let you know that. So that's the why behind having higher protein. But I also want you to consider that this has to be realistic for you and it has to be something that you enjoy doing. And so if 100 grams of protein seems like way, way too much right now, then just look at how much you're eating now and increase it a little bit. Maybe you're typically getting 60 grams of protein. Okay, well challenge yourself now with 80 grams of protein. Just trying to get a little bit more is always going to be beneficial. And then you might find that as you hit 80 grams of protein, that getting to 100 is not that big of a deal. Um, Time and time again, I have clients who come to me who are like, 130 grams of protein, I could never eat that. And then three months later, they're like, can we increase my protein? Because I find that I like to eat a lot of things with protein and I tend to go over. So if you're struggling with hitting high protein right now, just dial it down a notch. Increase your protein a little bit, get used to that, and continue going up until you can hit a higher protein. Or if you just don't want to eat it, just don't eat the protein. It's not the end of the world. Um, I think we get really stuck sometimes on having to have it be perfect. If you want to eat 80 grams of protein, then go ahead and eat 80 grams of protein. But hopefully this helps you to understand that there is science between having a higher protein intake um, and what that science is. Okay, next question. What is the most simple and effective way to meal plan and meet your macros for the week without getting bored? Now, this is something that is so individualized, like so individualized. Some people are like totally cool eating the same meals day in and day out. And some people like that just feels like prison to them. So recognize that this is a very individualized situation and issue. Um, And what 
works for one person is not going to work for another person. And so the first thing I think you need to do is get really clear on what you want. Like, are you someone who wants a different breakfast every single day? Or are you someone who is cool having the same breakfast five days in a row? There's not a right answer. Just what is your preference? Get really clear on that. And from there, you can figure out what you're going to have to do to meal plan. Honestly, if you're cool eating the same breakfast five days in a week, your meal planning is going to be simpler. Um, If you want some variety, you're going to have to take a little bit more time and effort and put that into your meal planning. So consider that. Is it worth it to you to have to put a little bit more time and effort into your meal planning to be able to have some variety? And if it is, cool, do it. But if you're really trying to cut down and limit the amount of prep and planning that you need to do, repeating meals or even eating the same meals like three days in a row is going to be very helpful to you. I can tell you what I do and what works for me. I don't track macros anymore, but I did the same thing when I was tracking. And that was that I meal plan on Sundays. And so I sit down and I write out all of our dinners, specifically our dinners on Sunday. I make our grocery list and then I go shopping on Monday for all of that food. And so I know what I'm eating for dinner every single night of the week. And if you're tracking, I would really suggest if dinner tends to be the most important meal for most of you moms, um, you want to eat dinner with your families or that's something that you know changes each night, what I would do is I would take that dinner and I would plug it in first. I would put my dinner in first and then I would build the rest of my meals around whatever I was having for dinner. So if I was having something like lasagna, we're having lasagna tonight. If I was having something like lasagna, I would know, I would plug in the lasagna. It would probably be a little bit higher carb than maybe normal. And so I would just know the rest of the day, I would just go a little bit lower carb to be able to fit the lasagna in. And I do encourage you, if you are new to macro tracking, sit down the night before, sit down and plan everything out so that you can do the macro Tetris the night before. And you can make sure you're going into the next day. Okay. I know if I eat X, Y, and Z that I'm going to hit my numbers. So that's what I do. I plan out my dinners. I plug those in first and then I build the rest of my meal or my rest of my day around that one meal. And for me, I like to have the same breakfast and lunch, like three or four days in a row. I'll take the same breakfast and I'll have it three days in a row. And I'll take the same lunch and I'll have it three days in a row. For me, it just takes less mental effort. And so um, I'm totally happy like repeating meals that way. Now, if you're someone who wants like some variety, maybe picking seven breakfasts that you like, and then just planning on rotating through all of those seven, one after another, same thing with lunches. But again, it's going to take more effort, the more variety that you want. And so get really clear on how important it is to you to have that variety. Next question, how do you adjust macros for breastfeeding? This is an excellent question. And in fact, I have so much to say about this topic that I'm just going to record a totally different episode about macros and nursing. So that'll be released next week. Episode number 21 will I'll be all about macro counting and nursing. So check that one out. Next one. When do I move from a cut to maintenance? And this is a great question. And one I get a ton because I talk a lot about reverse dieting. And I talk a lot about like not being in a cut for your entire life and spending more time at maintenance than you spend cutting, which most people get backwards and they spend way more time cutting than they ever do at maintenance. So when do I suggest that you move from a cut to maintenance? There's a lot of things to be considered. And so I'm going to give you like some general um, generalities to kind of consider. 
The first thing is that I have said this before, but I'm really big on sending, setting an end date to your cut rather than an end weight. The end weight just ends up prolonging the, the process and never reaching the finish line for many people. And so that's what this, you know, your cut turns into this, like you're always in a cut because you're always just trying to hit this goal weight. And so instead of doing that, I really encourage you to set an end date. So once that end date hits, that's when you reverse up to maintenance and you spend some time at maintenance before you go to another cut. So that's the first answer is I really think that if you're in a cut, you need to have an end date set for that cut. And when that end date comes, then that's when you go to maintenance. Other things to consider, if you're in the middle of a cut and it becomes not worth it to you to keep going or not worth it to you to like maybe have to go lower with your macros, at any point you can say, this isn't worth it to me. The results that I want or that I think I should have or that I'm looking for aren't worth the sacrifices that I have to make. There are going to be sacrifices when you are in a deficit and you are cutting and you are trying to reach a goal. There are going to be sacrifices that have to be made. And maybe they're just little, like maybe having to think a lot more about your food. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's something that that has to happen for you to be able to reach that goal. Um, For some people, that may be a bigger deal than others. Um, Maybe for some people, it means they can't go out to eat with their friends. Um, And you just get to decide what is worth it to me. And I really like to come back to this idea that like you get to make a conscious decision. You get to weigh the pros and the cons and decide. And if at any point it becomes not worth it to you, it is 100% okay to say, you know what? Reaching that level of leanness or hitting that goal isn't worth the sacrifices that I have to make to get there. And so I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to reverse and I'm going to go to maintenance. And that is 100% to say, okay to say at any point along the journey. What I don't like is when people um, don't take ownership of this choice and they just feel like, oh, they just want to complain about, oh, I can't lose weight or, oh, I can't, you know, it's so hard for me or like, um, oh, like my boyfriend like always is having me go out to dinner and it's just so hard and they just kind of make this like victim mentality. No, if you want a goal and what you have to give up to reach that goal isn't worth it to you, then it's okay to say that. It's not worth it to me. I'm going to do something different. And I really want you to come from that place of owning your goal and owning the choices that you're making. You are choosing to be in a deficit. You are choosing to be in a cut. And that's a choice that you get to make if you want to. But like, there are going to be things that you have to deal with because of that. And at some point for some people, it gets to be not worth it. And that is 100% okay. And if it ever comes to that point, then it is okay to say, I'm going to stop this cut and I'm going to go to maintenance. Whew, I got a little bit heated there. <laughs> I get heated when I talk about owning your choices because I think that so many people let life happen to them instead of being intentional and making conscious choices. And if there's one thing that can change your life, it is accepting responsibility and making conscious choices. Okay, next question. If you slip up or have a cheat day or meal that puts you over your macros, should you reduce your macros for a few days to even things up or is it better to try to stick to your original macros? Here's my thought on this. I don't like when you go over in your macros to 
then restrict afterwards. Because I think what that tends to do with a lot of people is it gets them into a binge and restrict cycle. They eat more than maybe they think that they should have. And so then they feel like they have to restrict to make up for it. And I think that mentally that connection is really detrimental to you in the long run. You eat because your body needs fuel. And I understand that like, you know, scientifically we can talk about, well, if you're looking for a caloric deficit, you need to create that caloric deficit over time. So if you go over one day, you can just go under and you can like make up for it. So scientifically, like, yes, like the math works out that way, but weight loss and fat loss is not just about math. There is a lot of psychology that goes into it as well. And so I'm not a big fan of if you go over intentionally or unintentionally, then restricting the next day to try and make up for it because I think it causes a bad association with food and you know with the choices that you make. You made a choice the day before, whether it was intentional and you said, oh, this is a cheat day or a cheat, you know, whatever, a treat day, or whether it was unintentional and you went over your macros for whatever reason. That was a choice that you made on that day. And it's okay. Again, going back to this idea of you making conscious choices, that was a choice you made. And so the next day, you don't have to make up for it. You just get back on and you just eat your normal macros. And I really, really think that mentally, that is the best way to go about it because I just find that for so many women, they start to get this back and forth of binge restrict, binge restrict, binge restrict. And they think, oh, I'm like trying to like average on my macros, but no, like in the long run, that's going to do a lot more harm for you than good. Next question. If you have to choose one, is it more important to stay under your calories or to balance the macros and go over? So it's really important to understand that when it comes to fat loss, there is a hierarchy of nutrition. And some of you may have seen, um, I've posted this pyramid, uh, the hierarchy of nutrition before. And the base level of the hierarchy of nutrition is, is calories. And so calories in, calories out determines your weight loss or weight gain. Right above calories is macronutrients. Um, and that's because while calories calories determines your weight gain or weight loss, macronutrients really helps to determine what is gained or lost. Meaning, are you losing water? Are you losing fat? Are you losing muscle? Um, As we balance those macronutrients, we're able to kind of determine what is being lost. But overall, for overall weight loss, calories are the most important thing. So when we're talking about this idea of, okay, I'm getting to the end of the day and I can either go over my calories to hit my protein or I'm going to have to like be short on my protein, which is better to do, always default to calories. So keep that calorie goal as, as a goal. And then you're trying to, you know, hit your macros within that calorie goal. But if it's one or the other, and the option is either I, you know, go 25 grams over so I can hit my protein or I just miss my protein for the day. Um, you know, for one day, just go under on your protein and hit your, your overall calorie goal. But I also think it's important to go back and realize, well, why didn't I hit my calorie goal? Was it because I ate too much carbs in another form? Is it because I, you know, had something different that I chose to have that day? What was the reason that made it so that you didn't hit your numbers? Because if that becomes a continual thing, like every single day you are short on your protein or every single day you're not hitting your fat, um, then that's a pattern and that's something that needs to be attacked and 
analyzed and created a plan around. But if it's just like one of these days where you're like, well, it was just kind of a weird day and I just didn't get as much protein and I can either go over um, and hit my macros or I'm going to you know, go under and nail my calories, default to calories because calories is the base of the nutrition, you know, the hierarchy of nutrition. Next question. Is it good to continue a reverse steadily increasing to see how far you can push your metabolism or does a reverse have a set length like a cut does? Um, I'm a big fan of like pushing the reverses as far as you can. A reverse typically takes somewhere between four and six weeks for most people, but that doesn't mean that like at four or six weeks you're done. Um, and it also doesn't mean that over time you can't continue to add calories. So as you reverse, you're looking for the, the sweet spot where your body is able to maintain without gaining and maximizing the amount of calories that you can eat. Over time, as you add more muscle mass, that number is going to get higher and higher. Um, one of the best things that you can do, one of the only things that you can do to permanently increase your metabolism is to add muscle mass. And so as you add muscle mass, your metabolism is going to increase. And so I'm a big fan of pushing that reverse as high as you're able to go, get those calories as high as you're able to go. And then even over time to continue challenging the body to continue adding calories as you are adding that muscle mass and increasing your overall metabolism. Next question. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, how do you fit macros around Fast Sunday? So for those of you who don't know, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as Mormon. And every Sunday, no, every first Sunday of the month, we fast, which means we don't drink or eat um, for two meals. And during that time, we also give a fast offering, which means we donate the amount of money we would have spent on those t- two meals. Um, and we give it to the church to help with the aid of the uh, people who are poor and need need food or need any assistance. Um, and that two meals is a time for us to be able to um, detach from our bodily needs, to be able to pray and connect with God. And, and you know, it's something that we do every single month. So I get this question a lot because what does that mean when it comes to tracking your macros? And there's a couple of ways to handle this. Um, Way number one is to break your macros into like ratios. So when you're looking at your macros, you'll have your total grams for each of the macros, but then you'll also have um, a ratio. Meaning if you're eating, let's make it really, really simple. If you're eating a hundred calories of protein and your total overall intake is 300 calories, like obviously this is like, I'm just making the math simple, then you have a 30% ratio of protein to calories. Okay. So 30% of your calories are coming from protein. Um, and so you also have that with your macros. On MyFitnessPal, you can find it in the, the pie chart. You can even just calculate it out, but you can find the proportion of your calories that come from each of the macros. And you can take that proportion and try to make that one meal that you're eating hit those ratios. So let's pretend that you had, you know, you eat 40% carbs, you eat 30% protein and 30% fat. Well then whatever you eat for dinner, um, however many calories it is, you're trying to make it so that 30% comes from fat, 30% comes from protein and 40% from carbs. Um, and that allows you to keep everything balanced without necessarily trying to hit the exact grams that your goals are set at. The second way to do it is to just hit all your macros. Like if you want to eat 
you know, 12, 14, 2000 calories in a shorter, you know, one sitting, um, it's totally fine to do that. Uh, you can allow yourself to maybe have a bigger meal than you typically would have. The one thing that I would caution is that it's really easy to like have fast end day turn into a binge, especially because you're really hungry when you go into that that meal. Um, and then you just end up eating everything in sight. And so it's really important to slow down, you know, feed your body some nutrient dense food and, and really maintain control. But if you want to eat all of your macros in that shorter period of window, you know, shorter window, that's totally fine. Next question. How can I cut down on my fat? I'm always over. Okay. So this is a question that can be rephrased of like, how can I cut down on my protein? How can I cut down on my carbs? How can I cut down on my fat? Anything that you're finding that you're consistently over at, the best way to figure out how to get it in alignment is to go back and look at what is eating all your fat or where are you lacking in fat. Um, so go back into your diary, pull it up and look and see what are the high fat things that you're consuming that you could either one, remove or two, replace with something else that's maybe a lower fat fat alternative. And it's the same thing. If you're always over on carbs, go and look at what's eating all your carbs. Maybe if you can make a really simple transition from, you know, having a regular piece of bread to like a sandwich thin is going to save you enough carbs that you're not going to be going over. So going back into your diary is really important because it's going to allow you to see what's eating up all of my my macros and where can I make adjustments? And if you can find, okay, well, you know what? If I replace that egg, that whole egg with an egg white, I can save those fat grams. Um, little tweaks like that are what are going to allow you to hit your numbers and are going to allow you to learn and understand what foods need to be into your diet to be able to hit your numbers consistently. All right. Last question. What if I'm sick of tracking? Do you suggest taking a break from it? And the answer is yes. If you are sick of tracking and you don't like it and it's not serving you anymore, there's no reason that you need to track. I think this goes back to the the idea that there's a cost associated with trying to reach a goal. And if that cost becomes too much for you, and in this case, you know, you're sick of tracking, then it's okay to say, it's not worth it to me to track in order to hit my goals. Um, And one of the benefits from tracking, and I say this time and time again, because it's so true, is that I'm hoping that what you're gaining from tracking is awareness and knowledge of portion sizes and knowledge of nutrition. And that doesn't leave you once you stop tracking. And I think that's really important to understand that tracking for a period of time teaches you a whole lot and that doesn't just go away. And so if you're sick of tracking, taking a break from it can be a really important part of the journey and learning to start to trust yourself a little bit more and not place all of your trust in an app. That's a lot of things that I work with with clients is making that transition to trust themselves and the knowledge they've gained and the body that they have and their intuition to be able to be successful in the long run and not have to rely on an app to tell you whether or not you've got enough protein. I know when I've gotten enough protein. It's not because I track it. It's not because I weigh it. It's because I know what it feels like to have 130 grams of protein a day. And I am able to know if I've hit that or not based on how I feel, based on the food choices that I made that day. And that has nothing to do with me tracking. It has to do with awareness. So if you're sick of tracking, take a break, but don't throw away all the things that you've learned from tracking. Start to use that knowledge and incorporate it into your intuitive eating. And you're going to be much more successful down the road. 
Okay. Well, that wraps it up. I hope that that was helpful. That was kind of me just sitting down here and spouting off some things really kind of off the cuff. I didn't write anything down beforehand. So hopefully it was coherent and it made sense. And hopefully it answers some questions that you have about macro counting. Again, if you like this, let me know. Um, I'm thinking about doing some other Ask Amber episodes if it's a hit. So that wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.